The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. So good morning. My name is Dave Parton, the pastor here at Neighborhood Church. And this is a time in our service where we uh, go to the scriptures and we seek uh, the Lord's guidance through what he has shared and how his word is living and active. And if you've been coming for a while, you know we've been in uh, Acts for almost a year now. And we're taking a break this Easter season. And today we're going to be looking at Holy Week. And we're going to look at the, the decorated king as we begin Holy Week in the sermon today. And as we end with the dead king. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter. And if you have not picked up your peeps at the local store, today is the day to get them. It's a, they're hard to find. Um, I talked too highly about them last year. Many people are buying them. So if you see them and would like to drop some off at the church with my name on it, I would greatly appreciate that. But not a requirement by any means. But um, I'm looking for them. We are hopeful on Easter. It is a, as a day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But before the resurrection, we must remember this week. This week that's set apart. We call it Holy Week. It's different than any other week that the earth has ever seen. Jesus was crucified this week. But three years prior, the God of the universe sent his son as a baby. We celebrate it this moment at Christmas, and it's to rescue sinners. It's to seek and save the lost. Its purpose is this week that we're going to learn about today. The idea that sinners can go to a perfect father. The grasp of the devil is strong And the wrath of God is heavy, but something happens during Holy Week that we need to celebrate. We need to mourn. We need to feel. And now a few years later, after Jesus' ministry has started, Jesus is now coming to Jerusalem and to God's chosen city as a king. And as Rivers shared this morning, he's riding on a donkey, in a way, as a, a victor or a celebrated king would enter a city after a great triumphal victory. Palm branches, as you saw those kids wave today, they're laid on the ground. People's clothes are being laid below the feet of the donkey. And this Messiah has arrived But there's a contrast this week, and that's what we're going to talk about today. This parade that's the final battle that the people are celebrating, it's actually in the future. The victory has not happened yet, but yet the king is entering the city to be victorious in a way that is unbelievable. 
the darkness as Jesus has gone from town to town to people to people. It's been pushed back, right? The demons have been pushed out of the lives of people. Ailments have been healed. The blind see, the deaf hear. But the darkness has not been destroyed. And this parade, this foreshadowing, is a parade to come as we celebrate next Sunday, but also as we just sang about the returning of Jesus in the great parade as he comes again. So today I've decided to take a macro look, a 10,000 foot view of Holy Week. What happens during this week? And for some in the room, it'll be a reminder Many times within our community, we've studied day by day or even event by event. But today, even in the theme, as we've been going through chunks of Acts, I thought it would be appropriate and or enjoyable for most of us to kind of see what was this week really like for Jesus and how did he feel? So each day, as you go to the next slide here, you'll see there's going to be a day and we'll kind of find a feeling on each day. The first day is Sunday. And it's going to be a day of joy and celebration. That's Palm Sunday. That's the day we wear bright colors as well as Easter. But something happens midweek that we'll be talking about soon. Now we need to be reminded that the Jews wanted freedom from Rome. This is why they're celebrating Jesus entering the city Oh, it's time. The Messiah is here. We're going to finally be rescued. And we need to understand that they had prophecies describing this sort of event happening. Look at Daniel 7. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority. Glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So the Messiah, who, who they're seeing as Jesus, is going to bring in a new kingdom. And at this step, it will not just be physical but also spiritual. And not just physical in a sense concerning Rome. It'll be spiritual in a sense with God. You see, the Jews have felt the judgment from Rome. They were under their rule. There were soldiers walking their streets. Can you imagine that happening in our neighborhood? A foreign country that walks our neighborhoods with weapons. And we must do whatever they say. This was day-to-day life for the Jews. Jews and Gentiles. All men were not occupied by Rome. But all men were occupied by sin. And this Savior that was to come was not just for the Jews, but for all mankind. So this occupation of sin 
that's inside all of our lives was also to be taken care of. The ultimate truth is there's a greater authority than Rome and these lives of the Jews. As they looked, they saw this oppression. God, he has a judgment of sin. There's a weightiness of what they carried in their own lives that needed to be judged. That Jesus wanted to do so much more than satisfy one king. So Jesus is following the master's plan as he follows the guidance, as he meets with his father daily and his father said, go to Jerusalem, and he did. And this will occur through a love and a sacrifice that's neither deserved by those Jews nor us, nor fathomed by anyone to this point. King Jesus is celebrated, and there is joy on this Palm Sunday because Jesus said yes to the Father. Now, as we move to the next day, the tone begins to change. Sunday, you have a king shouting, palm branches, celebration, praising. Monday, it's an emotion of righteous anger. So, what happens here? Well, Jesus visits his father's house, the temple. And what does he find when Jesus enters the temple of this great city? Well, Luke 19 tells us he found many were using the outer courts, the courts of the Gentiles, to actually make money because there is a command to come at Passover and celebrate this festival. So many began to use the space in God's house to charge extra or transfer money at a very high cost so that people could come and make sacrifices. And what happens when Jesus enters? Let's read Luke 19.45. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do. For all the people were hanging on his words. Can you picture this on day two? Jesus takes ownership of the temple. I can see Jesus saying words like, Guys, this is my father's house. You're abusing it. It was created to point people to God, to help them communicate with them. You've transformed it into a place where thieves scheme to increase their own wealth and their own fame. So here's the contrast. On Sunday, we have Jesus riding in as king, being celebrated with shouts of honor. The very next day, he enters the most sacred space in the city. And he owns it. And he responds to it. So in two days, he's made a pretty big name for himself. And we found out in 47, the antagonists of the story, the Jewish leaders, what are they doing? Well, they're not so happy Jesus has showed up. They're pretty quickly like, how can we destroy this false prophet, they began 
to scheme. So moving on to Tuesday. This is a feeling of kind of eagerness and warning. Monday, Jesus rides in celebration. So on Sunday, on Monday, there's kind of righteous anger of Jesus recognizing and verbalizing what he sees in contrast to what, and what, what things should be like. And by Tuesday, Jesus begins to have some warning. He begins to tell the truth to the Pharisees and to the people about the Pharisees and these leaders. He begins to teach about the end times. Warning, eagerness, truth, last words, if you will. And even goes on to talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus knows Friday is coming. Jesus can count. He knows how many days he has left. And these are heavy, heavy truths. He's teaching his best friends about the future. And with the Pharisees, he kind of, I mean, let me read just one of the things that he shares to the Pharisees. Remember, these are the men that are gathering and building up all this support to destroy Jesus. And Jesus is pretty much focused on healing and helping people most of his ministry. But you ever had that season in life where you're like, it's time to say something, right? You know, you, you have that. Let's just kind of kind of get in Jesus' shoes. And this is one of the things Jesus is just ready to say. Matthew 23. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when you, they become a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Right? It's like Jesus is, is ready. Like something's changed. And I want you to see that this week, in Holy Week, Jesus is letting everything out. Pharisees, this is, this is the truth about you. The future, this is what's about you. Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. I know Jesus is perfect, and I know he's tactful, and I know he's winsome, and I know that he has timing. See the humanity of Jesus this week. He has feelings. There is a day of warning that the gospel writers reveal to us today. Do you feel warned? Do you have somebody in your life that you're thinking, I need to get this off my chest. It's time for me to tell them the truth. My hope is, is that we can all find seasons of these emotions. And also, on the dark side of this week, I feel like we have the 
We have the public side, and then like you have like what's happening in the dungeons and the crawl spaces, right? So Jesus is doing his ministry, sharing the truth, but also we have what's happening in the shadows. Jewish leaders are trying to find someone on the inside to help them take Jesus down. And guess what? They find somebody. Judas. He conspires with the Sanhedrin. This is a group of priests and religious teachers who met to decide on legal matters with religious and political and social ramifications. These people in the Sanhedrin, they have been called out by God to be the spokesman for God. And they're the very ones that Satan is using to kill God. There's lots to be warned of this week. So as we move on to the next day, it's Wednesday. Go to the next slide. Yep, that's Wednesday. Okay, so Thursday. On Wednesday, we don't have any information. I thought about speculating some things, but let's just keep that blank. Okay? We don't know what happens on Wednesday. I assume Jesus kept preparing for Passover, the Pharisees and Judas and the shadow. The shadows, there was lots of chatter about how they're going to take him down. And where Wednesday is quiet, Thursday shouts with details. And as you think of Easter and Good Friday services and Monday, Thursday and all these things, this is where the story is enriched with our faith, enriched with Holy Week. Find out how full is Thursday. It's an emotion of sorrow and agony. Uh, There's a few highlights here, but let's walk through it. Next slide. We have Peter and John making preparations for the Passover. There's miracles and things that Jesus knows about this that are miraculous. After sunset, so... Most of this happens of this day that we know about. In the evening, there's the Passover meal. Jesus and the twelve. The Lord's first supper that we will celebrate today. The celebration. And at that meal, something very special happens. We have Jesus, the God of the universe, washing the bottom of sinners' feet. Judas departs, and what Jesus says to him is, hey, what you're going to do, do it quickly. Jesus is ready. And as I reviewed Holy Week in my studies this week, did you know one of the feet that Jesus washed today was the very one that was going to walk out of that room? And go betray him. If you think you're too far from Jesus today. The Jesus. That washed Judas's feet. Is the same Jesus that loves you. And you think that you've done too much. 
I've been many services in that seat in my life. And I've had many times where I've heard the stories of people being rescued, forgiven in the scriptures. And this morning, when you recognize that Jesus washed Judas's feet, no, you have not done too much. There is more grace. There is more sacrifice and love that God wants to give you. You're not too far. Please know, he wants to wash your feet. He wants to wash your heart. There's darkness in all of our lives. As I stand here in front of you, there's darkness in my life. There's areas that I need to grow in and areas that I have failed. But when I remember that Jesus Christ washed Judas's feet. And he has given me the power of that kind of forgiveness for my brothers and sisters, for my enemies on this planet, as many years as he gives me. Then I am motivated to start some conversations with people. Some people I don't want to talk to more or less wash their feet. This is Holy Week. Jesus living out. His love for mankind. So the Lord also takes this Lord is the supper that he's having. With his disciples and begins a rhythm, a ceremony, if you will. For all of us. We call it communion or Lord's Supper. And in this, as we will share together, a recognized um, moment for the church to be in unity, to enjoy celebrating through a meal. It's a small meal for us, the way we need to celebrate today. That what Jesus has done and who he is, is motivational and powerful for us to live our lives. Then we have Judas leaving, of course. and The disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. And Jesus prays. And that's where he's praying to the Father, not my will, but yours. And Jesus keeps going back to his disciples and wake up. And what wakes them up is men coming to take Jesus away. Where Judas leads them to the garden where he knows where they pray. He knows. And for Judas to point to who is the Jesus in the darkness of these followers of Christ. Which one's the leader? Judas kisses him. Do you see the contrast of this week? The emotions, the the agony of the backstabbing, 
Love and backstabbing. Love and backstabbing. It is a day of sorrow and agony for Jesus. Then Peter attacks. Cuts off the ear. That's more ear stabbing. But then what does Jesus do? Well, he heals. Guys, this is the Jesus we're celebrating this week. Then to the house of the high priest, and the trials begin of Jesus. Jesus is taken away. A day of sorrow. From feet washing to betrayal to captured to all the disciples abandoning Jesus. He is alone on trial. And then to Friday. We call Good Friday not for Jesus' experiences, but because of what it has done for us. But the feeling on Friday is a feeling of pain. It is a day of pain. Lots and lots of pain. Thursday night into Friday morning, all night, he's up all night, from one trial to the next, the chief priests are trying to find false testimony so they can put him to death. Will anybody help us? We want to put this man to death, but he's so good. We can't find people. As I'm listening through the Bible, I, I, uh, I've made it. I feel like we should all have a really nice steak meal after you finish Leviticus and Numbers, right? You feel like, all right, I'm most of the way through Deuteronomy. We got this, right? So you get through these books. But there's so many pieces of Holy Week and the confusion of what the leaders thought they were doing and what was right. And this is one of the verses that I heard, Deuteronomy nineteen eighteen. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. What's this law have to do with? Well, and when God's setting up Israel and their laws, there must be two or three witnesses. Then, of course, well, what happens if the witnesses are lying? Well, this is what happens. Whatever punishment the false witnesses were trying to make happen, they then have to pay for it. Why was it so hard for the, for the Sanhedrin to find false witnesses to send Jesus to the cross? Because they knew what the outcome was going to be. But they even found people to do it. Jesus died for this sin. This morning, as you think about your life, and you think, I'm too far from God, I've done too much. Did you lie to the Sanhedrin so Jesus died on a cross? Maybe you would have. But maybe what's in your mind isn't that thing right now. 
There is hope for all of us in this room, friends. And I hope this week, as you recognize the sin that it took to put Jesus on the cross is immense. I'm going to say that again. The sin that it took to get Jesus on the cross is immense. But the work of the cross is greater. Amen? The work of the cross is greater than lying about Jesus to put him on the cross. The work of the cross is greater than the kiss of a brother that you selected and just washed his feet to send Jesus to the cross. Jesus died for all of the sin, even the sin that put him on the cross. So as we go through the trials, I'm going to read some to you. Because it's important for us to get some of the narrative of the story through Friday. Matthew 26, 62. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? And they answered, he deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Did Jesus ever say he was the Christ? Yes. Right? He said it in a way so much so that they said, you Christ. And he said it so much so that these leaders tore the robes in anger. And he said it so much so they started beating him. There was even a custom to release a prisoner at this feast. Pilate, he offered Barnabas one who actually did murder, did build up on purpose a revolt against Rome. And he said, do I release this prisoner Barnabas or do I release this prisoner Jesus? And the people responded, Barabbas. Sorry, I think I said, yeah, Barabbas. The people wanted the murderer, Barabbas. Let's go back to our sin again. The leader says, I can release this Jesus, this holy man, who seems to be doing good, 
doesn't seem to be anything in, that I can tell right away that other than causing a crowd right now. Or I can release this, this person who actually built a revolt against me. The people chose to release a known murderer. Jesus died for these people. Jesus died for those that, even when they had an opportunity to free him, they chose sin. And now we're going to look at John for the final part. Now it was the day of Passover, preparation of Passover. It was the sixth hour. Pilate said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered them over to be crucified. How do you think that felt to God? God chooses these priests. You will be my voices to the people. And the priests say, Oh, we don't have another king. Caesar's our king. There's a lot of sin that sent Jesus to the cross. It's a day of pain. So before Jesus is crucified, they stripped him. They tortured him. 39 lashes because they thought 40 would kill a man. They mocked him as a king pressed a crown of thorns into his head to mock him as a king. So they took Jesus. This is John 19, verse 17. And he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written I have written, the Son of God is now hanging on a tree from nails through his hands and through his feet. He's lifted up between criminals as a criminals. And we need to know they are not his crimes. There is so much sin that has put Jesus on the cross. The lies, the backstabbing. But as we prepare to close, you remember that sin that we've been thinking about today that we thought was too far? But God says, no, it's not too far. I'm here. That sin is why Jesus is on the cross. And this Holy Week, as we prepare for Easter, the resurrection, If we don't annually know this, if we don't weekly know this, if we don't daily know this, then we will not live lives for Jesus. 
we will begin living lives for ourselves. But if this morning, as we review Holy Week, and we review seeing Jesus on a cross between thieves, knowing that's our spot, he is in the spot that we should be, then you will not understand Easter. You will not understand. It took a lot of sin to get Jesus on that cross. Yours and mine were a part of that. We do not blame the Roman soldier who held down the hand and drive the nail through the wrist. He didn't nail Jesus to the cross. And we know this by, remember that story I just told you with Peter cutting off the ear to kind of protect Jesus? You know how Jesus responds? Peter, I could send down legions of angels right now just by asking the Father. And he doesn't. He doesn't because the Lamb of God must be placed on the cross. The blood of the Passover must be placed on those beams so that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is why this is hanging here. And next week we'll talk why it's empty. The story is not over. Yes, Jesus says, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In verse 26. Do you see how the emotions of the weak reciprocated? The Pharisees at the beginning of the week thought they were losers. They could not destroy Jesus. But as the week progressed, victory, it is finished. We have killed him. Success. But for Jesus, it began in decoration and victory and hope. And it ended in death. Only a wonderful, imaginative, creative, grace-filled, compassionate, sovereign God could tell this story. God has designed this story from the beginning Jesus' faithfulness was there from the beginning and his faithfulness is there today. Friends, Holy Week is set apart. Holy Week is different. Your week for your family, for yourself, read the history in your Bible of this week. Remember these accounts. Remember the emotions. And have yours stirred. And we'll have one of the greatest Easter celebrations together we've ever felt next Sunday. 
that Jesus Christ did not stay on the cross. His love for us, his power, his hope continues. And my hope today, as we take communion together, that you will remember your feelings of accepting him, your feelings of staying with him, your feelings of him being with you. An empty cross, an empty grave, a returning king. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning is weighty. It's not full of levity. This morning, we remember you dying on the cross. Jesus, I am sorry for my sin that put you there. Thank you. When I didn't even care, you climbed on that cross for me. Father, I pray for anyone in this room right now that your spirit would take their heart and you would show them the beauty of accepting you as Lord and Savior. And they will come to faith in Christ today. I ask all this in your name. Amen.